Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherm in the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, September 9th, 2020. This is episode 126, 126. I hope everybody had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. We are back in action with an awesome interview. I am so excited about this one. This was one of the most high energy, high velocity, high octane interviews I've ever had. This guy is full of energy and it was so much fun and I'm so honored to have him on the show. Episode 126 features the one, the only, DJ Susan. And I'll tell you, if you haven't heard of him before, this guy is on the come up and it has not been an easy road for him though. This guy has worked so hard and it was great to hear his full story. In my interview with DJ Susan, we discuss it all. We talked about his journey from playing records for fun to playing massive shows at festivals like Splash House and Coachella. Now, DJ Susan has really been building up his name through his incredible Tech House productions, and he has such a tenacity to make the best of the best. I'm talking peak hour bang bang, baby. We also got into the story of his record label, Hood Politics. It's one of the biggest upcoming labels in the game right now, and it is doing so well across the charts, SoundCloud, Beatport. He has literally given opportunities to some guys who are now world-recognized artists. And it's all because of Hood Polly. It was so cool to hear about it. And it's such a dope name too. It's got some of the best releases on there. I have so many Hood Politics records on my USB. Now DJ Susan, you are gonna find out right away. Like I said, is very high energy, but he's also incredibly optimistic and positive. We talked about the mentality on coronavirus. This guy was gonna have a really big year. I'm talking tours, I'm talking record label parties, I'm talking it all. Everybody's on the bench right now. And Mr. Susan said it best. It's just different. Be positive, be optimistic, let's overcome, keep doing our thing now. This guy was so much fun and I learned so much from this interview. He is truly an inspiration to people like me and so many people in the game. He's one of those guys that proves making this dream is tangible and you can do it. Keep doing your thing in SoCal, my man. I can't wait to see you on a worldwide scale here soon. You better let me know when you're Chicago next. Let's get into it right now, guys. This is episode 126 with DJ Susan. Well, thanks for having me on, bro. I'm fucking high. I'm having a great day. I got my little beer on ice right here. Come yeah. on, let's go, man. Cheers. Hell yeah. I've heard I've heard the greatest things about you from Mr. Diaz, bro. For real. Oh, that means the world, bro. Yeah, Diaz is a great friend of mine. He's a fucking outstanding human being. I was spending a lot of time with him in Chicago uh, last year. We when we played outside, we played at not Sidebus. Bar. Really? You came and played a spy? Yeah, we did a Hood Politics label takeover at Spy Bar on some big weekend, and dude, it was absolutely fucking bonkers, bro. Yeah, we had Summit play with us. It was me, Nutty, more than friends. Uh, Summit, and then I, we got Chris on the last second. I think Garrett played, Infinity played with us for a little bit. It was, dude, it was nuts. We we had the show on Friday, and then we went to Spy Bar on Saturday night after some 
big party that we were all out under some bridge on the freeway. Yeah, it was sick. And Kill Frenzy and Latman were playing, and we were all like, fuck, I hope I hope we did a good job. And we went to that shit, like, two big headliners, you know? And we looked around, we were like, oh, my fucking God, we crushed our debut. It was so sick. Dude, that's and, awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, they had plans to bring us out again for another, for another label takeover this year, I think in June or July. Yeah. For a, for a second coming, we were so fucking pumped, and then some asshole ate a bat and ruined all those plans. Well said. Yeah, dude, five bars, five bars, the fucking shit. I think it'll be one of the only places that remains, but we'll see. I I love that place, man, and uh, I'm not surprised That's, you guys. Such good vibes. Such good vibes, man. It's like you go there for one reason, and it's like literally to fucking party. Right. Yeah, the little dungeon. We can definitely get down with that shit. Yeah, of course, man. It's not exactly San Diego or L.A. style under that basement, right? Uh, they're, they're L.A. more, L.A., yes, San Diego, no, no. No? Yeah, I had a long talk with Chris. Actually, I went golfing with him recently, and we were talking about just, like, sp- the vibes of Spy Bar versus, like, everywhere else, and it's just so unique. But that's awesome you guys had your own takeover there. I'm surprised I missed that. Yeah, it was it was wild. It was definitely a big Chicago debut for everybody, and we, dude, we had so many heads come out. It was cool to see the reach that you know the label has in different cities, you know, especially for the first time we're there. And motherfuckers came out, bro. There was some some diehard fans there the second the the, the place opened. People standing around as we were sound checking and stuff. It was sick, bro. Dude, you're a humble guy, man. You got a huge following here in Chicago. I told a couple of my friends I was interviewing DJ Susan. And sometimes they get excited, sometimes they fake excitement, but they were like, dude, I love DJ Susan, holy shit, man. Like, I love yeah, what Shout out to the Chicago players, let's go. Dude, you got a big fan base here, so I'm excited to share this one with the world. Cause there's Hell gonna- yeah, bro, I love that. Shout out to my Chicago fan, I love you. It's all about spreading the good energy, man. People who are down to receive it and want to give it back, like, let's go. We're all winning together. That's what it's all about, man. We'll get right into it on that note. Um, Again, thank you for making the time to come on. Uh, personally, I'm a fan too. I'm one of your Chicago fans, okay? I don't want to play this cool guy over here. I'm a big fan, dude. I've been following you for a, for a while, and I've definitely been following Hood Politics. I can't remember the, one of the first releases I heard, but I remember first seeing it maybe two years ago or something like that, and I was like, damn, like this seems like such a legit label, but you had just got started. And yeah. you now, man, like you've come so far in a short period of time, and you just got the steam. And it's tough right now, of course, with coronavirus. But, dude, you just released some awesome records. Congrats on that. Like, Thank you. Still putting out heaters just like it's any other day. So props to you. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is a this is a sink or swim, you know, time. You know, it's all about finding the silver lining in the moments that we feel are setbacks. And I feel like that's what's really put Hood Polly ahead of the game right now is a lot of labels and a lot of people have kind of been reluctant to putting out music and kind of use this time as like, oh, no one's listening or appreciating the music it's like dude this is the this is the fucking time yeah because like your your lead when this shit is over it's it's not from where you left off before it's what you do in this time so a lot of people are reserved a lot of people think it's a bad idea to waste music but it's dude you lay the foundation now it's always going to get better right Yep. Like you keep laying it right now so that when shows do come back and when this dynamic does pick that pick back up again, we're gonna be ten steps ahead of the game. Yep. Whereas somebody who would just wait, like where you where are you gonna be when this comes back, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm sure you can agree with this. Like as a producer, 
if you sit on a track for too long, you go back to it or you forget about it. You just right. need to put it out there. Like even it is like maybe a perfect track for a time of year. I think every time I release a track, I get feedback and there's always something different than when you listen to it in your studio and it's finished and then you put it out to the world. It sounds different, right? Yeah, definitely, bro. You can have it, critical feedback, but just like release it and move on to the next one and get better. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, uh, I've made like the most music I've ever made in my life during this quarantine, all which has been signed to my dream labels this year. I'm so stoked to say I've hit all my fucking goals this year got some pretty incredible support and kind of had those moments where like fuck it's all happening you know yep. but it's funny it's like in such a chill time i'm just like putting out these fucking peak hour bangers bro and like i'll play some little shows and and shit during corner like, intimate stuff and i'm like play that new shit play that new shit i'm like are we even trying to go that fucking hard you know what i'm saying and it's like it's my patience runs thin it's like fuck you know i want to hold on to it till next year and we have inevitably have that big range to play at but it's like dude get it out now people if you want to go balls to the wall and appreciate it like let's fucking go you know like with my my ross and mp my ross mp and my single i put out on hood poly like those are some peak hour bangers bro but there's there's always room for people to appreciate it pandemic or not and i know that when the shit does come back like those old reliable is gonna be right there for me i'm stoked for sure, bro. I put the I put that Ross EP in my back pocket. And I'm excited to ask you about that. Because man, shout out to the boy Greco. Love you. You're the man. Yeah, we. I think I think when I interviewed uh, Tom, uh, we talked about you and hood politics because there's definitely some some overlap with your guys' labels in terms of like style, which you look for, like Spira, uh, of course. And I think you've released on Spira too. That was the first. That was the first uh, label, if you will, I ever released music on. Really? The DJ Susan. Uh, when it started, yeah. Rawson was the first track that ever signed DJ Susan. And I was fucking pumped, bro. I was so pumped. <laughs> yeah. This, man, this was probably like maybe two and a half years ago, three years ago. Dude, that's awesome, man. Yeah, bro. I mean, I'm sure we'll dive into the DJ Susan origin story later, but it is really cool to have these continually having these cool full circle moments in my career and just on this journey. You know what I'm saying? Like bringing. Greco to Hood Poly and like just having these moments where we're like, holy fuck, him hitting me up the collab, him hitting me up and be like, dude, Nita, Ross and EP, him coming out to fucking hang out with me and Nutty and yep. us. God, that was a fucking weekend, man. We had so much fun, but it's cool. It's just, you know, I think the most enjoyable moments in this, this whole thing is people with the same passion and the same energy for what we do coming together and just enjoying each other and enjoying life and just, you know, being on that same vibe. And that's exactly what I felt. You know, with Greg since day one, and, and Tom and I try to, uh, I try to connect with like-minded people and people that I really admire and I think that are like, you know, really cool and have a good vibe when yeah. releasing music because there's so many different ways I could go and so many avenues and this and this, but I really try and center down on like, yo, I fuck with you, I fuck with what you're doing, your energy's great, like let's fucking go. Dude, fuck yeah, I fuck with you too, Stephen. This, this is great, man. I, I like, yeah, I love um, the energy you're producing here, man, and and I'm right there with you, bro, because. That's why I started this podcast. I want to have like real conversations with real artists that wasn't in the club, that wasn't at the festival backstage. It's like one-on-one -on -one or intimate, and we actually like get to know each other, and I learn about their journey, what it's like to be in as an artist. And in turn, I've become a better person and artist myself from learning from people like you and Greco. Love that, bro. Right? I feel the same way with everybody I have on the label and just all of my friends. I'm so fortunate to... Uh... Yeah. He's surrounded by all the time and just all the homies, man. It's what it's all about, you know? Passion and music and opportunity all coming together, you know? It's so sick.
Absolutely, man. When you said your, fir your first release, or as DJ Susan with three years ago, let's rewind. What is the actual timeline from when you're original, where you're originally from to when you got exposed to electronic music, got your hands on the decks, making music? Give us a spark oh, note, give us a long story, whatever you want to do. Let me light up a cigarette real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, man, fuck. Where did my journey begin? Uh, okay, my journey definitely began. I was like, dude, you know, growing up, like elementary school for me, maybe like fifth, sixth grade, I'd just gotten out of my Sum 41, Blink-182 yeah. stage, mad um, <laughs> respect. And I started, you know, it was with MTV and shit, like right when 50 Cent, Eminem, uh, Opie Trice, fucking Snoop Dre, all those fools yeah. came on the scene and I was kind of like young enough to understand and start to grow an appreciation for hip hop and shit. And it was so good, bro. It was so fucking good back in the day. It was like unlike any other time. And the, the music was so good. And what really resonated with me was the beats, like the instrumentals, right? And I remember my, my mom, bless her heart, love you to death. I would always like, mom, we have to go get the fucking G-Unit CD, the Lil John CD, this, this, this. <laughs> And like, as a, whatever, like 11, 12, like 11 year old kid, like that shit's gnarly, bro. Like she would have that shit in the, in, in parents, they're amazing. They'll, they'd keep that CD in rotation. I mean, we would force them to in the car all the time. <laughs> so when she was driving around running errands and doing her own thing, like that shit would always be playing and she'd know all the fucking words and shit. And yeah. she'd be like, oh my God, like, what is this? What is this shit you listen? I'm like, no, no, no. Like, fuck the lyrics. Like, I just like the, the beat, like the instrumental. Yeah. Yep. And I remember uh, Just Blaze was taking over, bro. He was making the sickest beats. Yep. And I loved all the Wu-Tang stuff and all that stuff. It was just, I was it really resonated with the with the instrumental and the beat. And I remember I saw this MTV commercial of this like inner city teenager going around um, to all these uh, payphone, payphones. Yeah. Kept hitting the coin return button, like collecting like uh, quarters and shit. And then he went to a pawn shop and he got like an MPC. And dude, I'll never forget it. I was watching like some something on TV and that came on and I saw him just like fucking jamming. And I was like, that's what I, that's exactly what I like. What the hell? <laughs> Rest of every holiday, every birthday, everything. I didn't understand what, even what it was and what that, what music, I guess, beyond like, you know, band, guitar, drums, shit was. I remember pulling on my mom's shirt and I was like, yo, I want a beat, beat machine. I want like a beat pad, beat box. And she's like, what the fuck is that? And I was like, oh, but we need to go check out like the like they were like we need to go check out the thrift store or some shit, you know, just trying to put two together. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, and I was like, I need that, I need that. And she was like, she was like, okay, for sure. And I remember she went out and like got me like a electronic like drum pad. Yeah. And I was like, twelve. And I was like, this isn't really what I was looking for, but this is sick. And dude, I just remember being up all night in my room, just like. Cause that shit's sick. Being able to make and electronically compose your own stuff without, you know, all the gear and all the house and stuff. I was like, this is so tight. But I was like, all right, I like, I want more. I want more. And I was really involved with that. That kind of like was a good little period of my life. And then I got like super into surfing and skating and had my whole early high school experience. My my adolescent years had taken over. And then I started, you know, getting all that other coming of age shit. That was really funny, you know. But um, yeah, dude, my junior year, I was like, that spark clicked back in my mind. And I was like, dude, like, this is my, this is my shit. And I started getting super into DJing and like super, super into like beats and stuff again and started fucking around with GarageBand, you know, step, step one for everyone, right? Of course, yeah. And I, and yeah. I, 
Yeah, yeah. And I started a rap. I, I was really into hip hop still. Like that was like my everything. I really didn't even know what electronic music was outside of like kind of like the jazzy up tempo jazzy stuff. I really love out of my fucking iPod with all the clicking noises and shit. <laughs> so fun. Yeah. But I, yeah. But I started really getting into rapping and freestyling and stuff and like making beats with my friends and and doing raps and. I was like, all right, like shit, first stage in my career, I need to come up with like a, a stage name, a rapping name. Mm-hmm. Stevie Wilde was my first moniker. <laughs> and that was like my rap name and I was doing shit. I was in a rap group with my with my good friend and it was called uh, CRD, Creative Rhyme Design. Oh. And dude, we were fucking, dude, we took over the lunch times at my high school. We did the fucking talent show and shit. We were throwing down, bro. <laughs> and I was like, with my friends making these beats. And I was like, this is so sick. Yeah. And then I, I, I got my first glimpse into just like, you know, DJing. And um, I think my, and I was like, okay, it was something I was considering. And I was like, I need to get some records, a record player, and like really kind of experiment with that. That was my new lust for art that I had embodied through like rapping and kind of just fucking around with music. Right. And I was like, okay. And I, you know, when you're passionate, you just circle it, you like tunneling, you're like, I, I need that. I need that. And I was like talking about it and considering, I was like, dude, it's so much money. I was working at the frozen yogurt stop, shop and shit. And I was like, I'm gonna save up for a turntable. Yeah. And as I was getting close, my uncle, um, right before he passed away, he gave me like three crates of his old records from high school and college and shit. Like, dude, like Led Zeppelin records, Rolling Stone records that he would just like doodle on, sure, tripping, you know, the good old days. <laughs> of course. Like, he's like, I want you to have these. And I was like, dude, I need to get a fucking turntable now. This is my time. Like, I got to commemorate the ledge. Yep. And I saved up all this money, and I went to Guitar Center. I think I spent, like, like 300 bucks or something on a Stanton uh, T62 direct drive turntable, the big, beefy one, bro. Yeah. I had the records in my – my one of my best friends, he he came with me, and he was – he's a little bit older. He was working a job of construction that I just started. And, you know, being, like, what, like, 17, making, like – five six like six seven hundred dollars a week like that's that's balling yeah it's balling and we're like boy he's like my fucking boy and he he came with me to guitar center and like surprised me as a birthday he's like dude grab a mixer and another turntable like i got you and i was like <laughs> i got my own setup now and i was one of the first ones i of i knew anybody older yeah. young parents forever that had like turntables and records and i was like oh my fucking god i was so yeah. hyped bro yeah. And I'll never forget the moment I, I had it all set up in my in my house, and I, I think I put on like a Blues Brothers record or some shit, right? Like so so out of context. I just wanted something to manipulate, some sound, something to just fuck around with. And uh, I remember I was like in my room, and I was like, all right, everything's set up. Like it's like I was about to like lose my virginity. It felt like, bro. I was like, everything's set up. Like let's go. And I pressed play, and I was like. Oh. <laughs> uh, I got goosebumps talking about it, bro. Oh, yeah. But I just remember that moment. I, like, I like scratched, and I, like, ran it back, and my whole body just just froze. And I was, like, my heart was just, like, pew. Like, I, like, right then in that moment, like, shit got real. That's and I was, like, dude, this is my fucking passion. This is my art. And this was so before... DJing was what it is today and what music is what it is today and how accessible it was like I was playing records yeah I had my LimeWire I had my fucking Mike Kazan shit I was like how I just wish I wish I could 
get this on turntables. You know what I'm saying? Like, be able to do it digitally. Because records were like, what, 20, 30 bucks for. Yeah. So. I mean, yeah, I had a couple Ninth Wonder records, Jay Dilla, and I had some, uh, like, I would get these, like, comedy special records, like a comedy special on records, and I would just use the acapella and just, like, scratch it over the beat. Yeah, it was sick, bro. Ooh, genius. Yeah, and I was, do I go to garage sales and shit? I was about that life, bro. Awesome. Nobody understood what it was. It was just, it was nothing, you know? Yeah. And, and I remember I would, like, I had my newfound love for Guitar Center. I just discovered that jam. So I'd always go back to like check out more stuff, and I'll never forget. I I I saw the um, New Marks uh, and NS7, NS7s like the, the first like uh, console. Yeah, yeah. First like digital drive console where you could set your computer up, and I walked in and I was like this. <gasps> Dude, this is exactly what I've been like manifesting. What the fuck? And I freaked out. And I think it was like twelve hundred dollars or something. So much. So I was like, dude, I'm going to dedicate the every single weekend, save all my money, save everything yeah. to get these. And and it was right when, like, uh, like right on the cusp of when, like, A-Track was dropping, like, his Dirty dirty da- dirty South dance music mixtapes. Oh, um, EDC, EDC and, like, shit started peeking its head, like, kind of the underground. Of yeah, pop- 2000s, kind of late 2000s there. Yeah. Was, yeah, and there was like a lot of like electronic music, um, like Simeon Mobile Disco with drops and stuff, and like a lot of surf movies and stuff. Right. And like uh, Justice and, and Mastercraft and all the blog house shit really started coming out. And so a lot of the like, uh, um, that's what I'm looking for, hip, hip kids in my high school yeah. kind of got a glimpse into that. And they knew that I had turntables and one like rich kid who's always up on the hype train. Yeah. Hit me up and was like, dude, like, I want to get the same turntables as you. Let's get it. And I was like, dude, I'm selling mine. He's like, name your price. I'll have my mom write a check. And I was like, how much are these? And I was like, boom, like, I think I was like 1200. He's like, done. Met him at school the next day, got the check, went to fucking Guitar Center that day, got the decks. My life changed forever, bro. Because with that, my whole, um, range of music just exploded. I had everything, bro. And this was when, like, like I said, like, Blog House, like, what was it? It was, like, Hype, Hype M, uh, Gotta Dance Dirty was always firing, like, yeah. uh, Vacay Violet, like, all these sick blogs that you would just find. And then it was a quick, like, LimeWire fucking... <laughs> I remember those. You get the heaters, you get a couple unsolicited pornos on there, but it's all good. <laughs> definitely did. We definitely watched those. But uh, it changed everything, bro. And then I was like, okay. People started hitting me up to play shows at their house. Dude, I did it all, bro. People started hitting me up to wow. do birthday parties, all that shit. And I was there. I went to, I went on Craigslist. I got a little PA that I still have today, bro. The Mackies, they're perfect, bro. And I, dude, I was literally like 16. I had my setup in my car at all the times. And every weekend, I would just be like networking. I, dude, I had my little business card and shit. This is old school shit, yo. Let's go. And I went around and I was dude, I was playing fucking Sweet 16s, office parties, Christmas parties, backyard fucking barbecues, <laughs> everything, bro. I was that dude. And I was like, dude, I don't give a fuck. I just want to play. Like the thrill, the adrenaline rush of it got me so hyped. And I was like, this is so dope. And I was like leading the charge like in my community. I was like the first person to like be like that DJ in my yeah. community. Everybody was like trying to hit me up and like, 
come through and party and shit. And I was religiously um, studying it and working on it and take any lessons. I was all hands on. Right. Uh, the same with producing and how I learned. Like I, that's like I just do my own thing and just figure it out. Um, but dude, yeah, that that like that started everything for me, bro. It was nuts. And I had the name Stevie Well. I was like, all right, all right. And then through there, I found my passion for um, electronic music and everything there. And I loved, you know, all the big room EDM and stuff and all the fucking old old fucking legends who were just dropping the heaters nonstop, bro. Um, another another full circle moment in all this, bro. I used to be go dumb hard on like LA riots and shit back in the day, like 2009, 10. Yeah. As forward now, he's fucking just released some bombs on the label. It's like, what yeah. the fuck? I got him on here to talk about, like, that's insane. Like, that's big. Full circle is fuck. I'm like, dude, I used to literally, I grew up praising you. What the fuck? Now you're <laughs> on his folly? It's, 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 I've had too many of those moments, but at my Stevie Wild thing, and I was like, dude, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. And I was always super into it. I bailed the rap crew I was in because I was like, dude, I'm just going in a new direction. And I always praised the music I was hearing and was like, I, I want to do that one day. I want to be able to make my own stuff. Right. Once I get good at DJing, get that out of the way. Right. But flash forward to maybe like six months after I'd gotten that and had that going. I went to this festival in San Diego called Street Scene that was like a super sick um, party in the streets with maybe like four or five stages. And do they have like a DJ stage and like a hip hop stage, like the main stage and shit? Dude, this was like the moment for me. This is the big where I'm at today moment. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like a little girl. I'm like in high school with my boys, like running around and shit. We had the water bottle with a water bottle full of vodka. Probably like 105 degrees. <laughs> you didn't give a fuck, bro. We were out there sending it. But it's the end of the night. I'm like watching all this music. And I'm like, from a new perspective of like, dude, I get it now. Yeah. Because when you start DJing, you never hear music the same again, bro. You're always calculating some shit in your mind. What BPM is it? What tempo is it? What's this harmony? What's this? What's this? Like, it's yep. sick. You just like tapped in, right? So that was my first experience. Like, tapped in. And we're front row at this... Uh, this like rap show and we're going super hard having fun it's at end of the night packed probably like 2,000 3,000 people in this small little like alley streetway yeah. and these motherfuckers pulled us on pulled me on stage me and my boys handed me the mic and we're like you guys have been going so hard all night like I fucking love you guys like do you guys want to do our last song with us and bro I'm up there just like this maybe a couple months of having these dreams like I'm a fucking like DJ like I'm a fucking like Whatever, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, on stage in front of all these people with a mic in my hand like this. <laughs> this, is, this is it, bro. This is it for sure. This is this is my this is my calling for life. And I was up there and I was just frozen and uh in just like excitement, bro. Adrenaline. I was like, oh my fucking god. And we did a little song and shit, and I got off stage and there was like mad people like waiting for us at the gate. And we're like, you guys fucking kill it. And I was like, right. This is so amazing. <laughs> and, and then literally 20 minutes later, I heard uh, dubstep for my first time. Oh, Jesus. What a night. Uh, bass Nectar played, bro. He dropped Rusco Pro Nails, and I was just like, what the fuck? Because mind you, uh, Bass Nectar. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, and at that moment, I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. Like, music. Got super into electronic music and was like, dude, this is my goal to have that feeling on stage again. Got really into the trap and dubstep for a while and kind of just like high energy 
club bangers, you know, shit that was popular back then. But dude, I love the just like the energy behind like, you know, the golden era of trap, right when Flosser Domus and shit came out. And I had just been experimenting with making hip hop um, music and stuff. Yeah. And I had I I just got a machine, my little machine pad. Yeah. Well, I finally got my fucking beat pad, bro. <laughs> Out making hip hop and a Stevie Wilde and I was like, dude, I heard the I heard Flash Adamas original Dawn and as I'm sure 99% of the kids who heard that shit, I was like, this is what I want to fucking make. This is it. Dude, that was the shit. That changed the game, honestly. It changed like the path. Trap, that track changed the game. RL Grind Mercy changed the fucking game. Yeah. Because I was like, this hip hop was just a fat 808 and like a trap snare. That's so hard. I love that. Dude, hearing those songs live for the first time made you be like, God damn it, I didn't realize how much I love bass. Songs number three, bro. <laughs> Let's go for a world record. I'm I think we're already hitting it, bro. But I, I, I heard that and I was like, I was like, wow, that's it. And I was like, all right, bro, now's the time. Trap music. Uh, let's fucking get. Let's fucking get it. Yep. And I was making some like whatever shit, but it really allowed me to dig deeper into my uh, like production and just learn a lot, which I'm super grateful for, you know. Yeah. And I was really, as I was with DJing and stuff, that, I was kind of like, you know, whatever. I fucking got that shit in the bag. I don't need to worry about that anymore. N new thing. And I started making all these beats and getting really into that and, like, idolizing, you know, all the fucking pioneers and shit. Yeah. RL, Floss, Bro Safari, Craze, all those dudes that were just running the valve, all those boys. And I was like, all right, sick. And I was putting some stuff out, and then I, like, made my SoundCloud, and then I was like, all right, whatever. <laughs> but it's all, it's all just like a... Just an experience, just come into who I am and find my passion with music, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As deep as I thought I was, it was still so fresh. It's always evolving. There's always new ideas and new sounds and things that inspire you and get you hyped. So I was like, right. I'm, I just started my journey, but I thought I was so advanced and so deep. I thought it was the end of the road, right? But right after that, I got hit up for my first show in San Diego, my first real show. I was 18. This guy who, because I was like the DJ in my community, in North yeah, County, right? You were on the forefront. I was on the forefront, baby, for sure. So some guy who was trying to throw some parties in San Diego um, hit up one of my other friends who kind of was DJing, and re he referred him to me. Yeah. And I'll never forget, I was like walking into class uh, at my community college, and I got the call, and I was just like so fucking hyped. <laughs> I, I couldn't even go to, I think I like didn't even go to class. I was just like, dude. My first show, oh my fucking god, bro. Yep. Freak, I could have cried, bro. Yep. But I, my first show was I played what nine, the not the like eight to nine slot before anybody was even there and shit. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, but that means so much, dude. I hear you. Same. I was there like this. Let's go playing and playing to the bartenders. I was like, let's go. So, and mind you, dropping absolute heaters bro <laughs> Heat our bangers i didn't give a fuck it was so sick because i was like dude oh my fucking god yeah but uh from there it was just like me being that i guess reference point and that like person for a lot of people i started bringing everybody to these shows and he kept booking me because i brought so many fucking heads right and we, we would fill like two or three party buses from my my hometown like every i think it was wednesday bro yeah, I would bring heads to these places, and I'd always open up. Yeah. And I, I think I did that for, like, three or four times until they were like, yo, we got you on at, like, 11 tonight. And I was like, oh, shit, bro. 
And that was that was that was the fucking one. Dude, I just kept paying my dues, 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 paying my dues. For any producers watching this shit, and when you do, yo, nothing's overnight. Nothing starts pretty. You gotta pay your dues. You gotta go in. You gotta believe in yourself. Grind, 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 grind. Show up, show up, do it. Everybody does it. Yeah. Stay humble. Be happy. You fucking got this. It's it's a long, long road to the top, but the journey is the best part. So don't worry about the destination. Anyways, yeah, bro. Hundreds of those sets started pulling my weight until I was like the reliable homie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I started headlining all these big nights, dude, and it was fucking popping back then. Probably like four or five. You playing it all, like open format? No, I was dropping this like the biggest bangers I could find, bro. Oh yeah. Happy <laughs> dubstep trap. Uh, big room bangers was so funny, bro. Dude, that's awesome. So awesome. And I know that every other producer that you, I, I guess, could or have had on here could say the same exact thing, bro. It started with that, that yeah. big golden era of EDM. 2009 to 2014. Yeah. That five, six year period was 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 game changing, bro. It was crucial. Played oh yeah, played those shows over and over and over and over again. And then I was like, fuck, dude, like now I really want like the big boy stuff. And it's very political in San Diego. It's a lot of uh just fucking really like just random dudes who are like friends with the booking yeah. guy or friends of the venue owner and shit. And it's just like, you know, they kept dogging me. And I was like, dude, fuck this. Oh, and I just turned, I got to the point where I was like, I think it was like 20. I turned 20 and then I was like, I'm going to take a break until 21. I can actually plan, like try and get better. And then boom, just as I thought I'd climb the ladder and was like at the point I wanted to be, whole new ball game. <laughs> up crowd, and I was fighting for sets with these like fucking like random 40 year old dudes. Right, right. Just, said every night and then I was like you know I think everybody has this idea like you can get away with doing one or the other but it's like dude the matter of fact is like you got to be all in if you really want to make your dream come true and you want to excel in this industry and be where you want to be like you got to fucking buckle down and you got to be like dude I gotta I gotta put in this work and I gotta advance where it needs yep. to go down yep in my my terms everybody else I guess is just producing music and learning about it and stuff because yeah. you can only play the tunes for so long and go so far. And it was kind of like a mission after being rejected and I guess like laughed at and like, dude, you're never playing these fucking sets you want. I was like, dude, fuck you. I'm going to make it happen. You got a chip on your shoulder, Steven. That's what happened. Yeah, bro. So I uh, I, I think I took like a year off from like playing shows and shit. And I got like a, because I was making some sick money playing these like shows every Wednesday. And I got like a real job and like i really busted down until i was working at this fucking like skate shop and shit it was so yeah. fun but i was like all right i'm gonna do some me time try and find me and what i want and i was going to college i got i went to college like went out and lived in la and like went into school in long beach and uh all that was over and i was like dude oh i'm missing the most important part bro here we got goosebumps moment coming coming so soon. <laughs> when i took that break I had like a lot of me time, right? So I was partying and throwing these in like really socializing and had my social life back for sure. Like DJing and stuff, it was kind of like burnt out from when it when it had its burnout moment. Yeah. And I went to college and I, I was in community college and I lived in my my uh my city and my pops, uh he was never home. So I would throw these just fucking bangers at my house, bro. Yeah. 
sickest house parties and everybody oh, yeah 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 we all got a it was so fun bro but everybody from all different schools would come it was super good vibes super good energy everybody hanging out um spreading the love just coming together it was dope like i was having my own shows at my house <laughs> my way yeah. and uh dude we, we did this for a long time for like a year or so and i was like fuck DJ, I wasn't happy with it. I wasn't getting any opportunities and stuff. So right. took it into our own hands. And uh, me and all my buddies, like all my best friends, lived in the same neighborhood. Like in like a probably like five-minute walking distance from each other. And we'd throw these big old parties in my house. And everybody would come. And we would smoke a big big doobie behind the – in the backyard on the fire pit every night. And kind of just be like, <laughs> that was so fucking sick. Wow. Yeah. And we called ourselves the hood. Like, this is the hood. Like, come to the hood. My house was like the common, like the hood. We're in the neighborhood. Come through. Like, it's popping. It's going down. Like, everybody comes. So every weekend, all the boys would assemble Power Rangers at the fucking crib. The hood. <laughs> and, dude, one night, I'm, I'm smoking a J in the backyard with the homies. And I was like, the fucking hood, man. Like, yeah. I'm so proud of, like, who we are and, like, people we are. Like, so open and, like, just accepting it. Everybody and want everybody to, like come have a good time and party with us and stuff right it was like we were having the shows on our terms and i was like man we just got this like this politics bro like hood pop boom i was like damn that's so fucking hard hood politics (laughs) damn that's our crew that's our crew hood politics is our crew and everybody was like damn that's so hard fuck yeah and i was like yeah hood politics so, dude, started in my neighborhood with all the best buds, just like a crew. Like, you know, you had your friend crew. I'm sure you had a skate crew or, like, you know, just the homie crew yeah. back then. So, yeah, that was us, hood politics. And I was like, dude, our politics are love, good vibes, acceptance, community, just being, like, light to people's lives and being, like, the homies, you know? Like, that that means so much to, to me and all my friends, like, being that person, you know? Right. So, hood politics was born, left my mouth, and was a legacy that I lived every weekend until then. I went to my first Coachella. That was a fucking game changer for me, bro. That was a step up from the big step. It was my first festival I ever went to. That you was know? your first festival? Jesus. Coachella was the first festival I ever went to. Yeah, and I went with the Hood Politics boy. Oh, my God. You guys crushed it. We met this guy, Jeff. Bless his heart, bro. He was a, he was a designer for this company, Hoodie Buddy. They had patented the uh, headphone and the drawstring thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. They set up their big like promotional camp right next to us. And obviously, right off the bat, we were chatting them up and hanging out the whole crew, and they were our camp homies and shit. This guy ends up bailing his crew all weekend and just hanging out with me and my friends and just, like, inseparable. And we were taking around everywhere. Probably, like, 35-year-old dude with this young, like, 21-year-old energy just leading him around. He was loving it. And we were catching up, and he was telling about how he does graphic design and does all this stuff. And I was like, dude. You need to. You should like make a logo for Hood Politics. It's just the crew. Like this is all our friends. Hood Politics. Yeah. He's like fucking down. Hell yeah. And we're we're going back and forth with ideas and stuff. And this is probably like seven years ago. Seven years ago. And he he hits me with the logo in my fucking uh, my email one night, and it's the same logo we used to say. That's the Hood Politics logo. Dude, it's legit. That's awesome. So sick, bro. I know. And I got it, and I was like. It's going down. And I immediately I immediately ordered some shirts. I think I ordered like 20 shirts. And I gave them out. And I got them printed with that logo on it. 
Yeah. And it's so fucking clean, bro. I think I think some of my homies still have the original, bro. The number one. Yeah. And I gave them to all the friends, and they were like, this is so fucking sick, fuck yeah. Was just going to be that, right? Like, we're just the crew. Right. Hanging out with everybody. Everyone's always coming to the parties. Those kept going on, but now we, like, have our team colors to rep. Right. And uh, I would just get texts and calls all the time. Like, yo, I need a hood politics shirt. Where do I get one? Where do I get one? I'll, go, I'll buy one. I'll buy one. I'll buy one. I'm like, no, like, uh, we're, not, we're not selling those. Like, that's just, like, a one-time thing for the homies. Right. More and more people, more and more people, more and more people I'd wear. It. And people at school would be like, dude, what is that? What is that? And I was like, shit, okay. Like, <laughs> maybe I should make make some more. And I was like, you know, and it's funny. It's like, it's always with the times. Around that time, what was that, 2014-ish? There was this big, uh, big, like, explosion of, like, streetwear with yeah. um, pop culture and music and shit. Right. And it was like, that was like the thing, was like having this cool streetwear music blend um, thing. Yeah. And I linked up, and I was in Long Beach at the time, and I was like super inspired by like the boys that were running Mass, you know Massive and shit? Remember yeah. Massive? Of course. So that's my, that's my friend's cousin. Oh. And he hit, and I hit him up, and I was like, dude, I want to learn from like the big dogs, like let's go. And he's like, dude, come down to his his storefront in downtown LA, like he'll do all your printing and like get you set up and shit. So I was like, all right, dope. Let's fucking go in politics. Yeah. And this is after people have been out there like, when's the next line dropping? When's the next line dropping? I'm like, dude, what are you talking? Like, I'm not, this isn't a clothing thing. <laughs> but through the public's demand and interest, it became a clothing thing. And I, again, I was like, all right, this is my fucking destiny, bro. Hood politics is a, as like top line streetwear brand. Let's fucking go. Yeah. And I, my boy who made the logo making all the cool shit hit me with lines and you're cranking it out. But it was super expensive. It was it was hard because, I mean, being that young and shit, nobody wants to pay for anything. You know, everybody wants it for free, wants a handout. Bro, I want to support. Send me free shit. Like, I'll rock it. So I was like, I was like, dude, fuck this. We had a good run and it was we had a we had a bunch of cool stuff, but it just wasn't where my passion was at. And then again, I got hit with that sobering idea like dude you're not gonna you're not gonna do what you want to do by like having this clothing yeah you gotta fucking buckle down and get it on bro yeah and right as that was dying and i was kind of like all right i'm gonna keep the hood poly name as relevant as i can but i'm kind of gonna step away from the clothing aspect of it all and i'm really gonna try and buckle down on my passion i'm doing finish the last like two years of, of college and like you know get back into the music thing New city, new vibes. Um, Hood Polly was popping. I was throwing sick renegades at my house. Did the same thing at my house in Long Beach. Yeah. My passion for music picked back up. Some homies came to my house. We were running some shit in Long Beach. Right. Started playing all these cool fucking parties and shit out there. And was like, again, like the DJ. I was back to being the DJ guy again. Oh, shit, Steven. The changes <laughs> of the season, bro. They keep you away. What's up? They keep you away. No way. Nope. And uh, yeah, through that... Uh, the Stevie Wild name came back, and I was like, all right, sick, 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 this is cool. But still, I felt like something was missing, you know? I felt like I was almost there, and I, I, I was making, I did this thing called Keep It Hood Monday, where I'd make a new beat, like, every week and premiered on Monday, like, a, like an instrumental or some shit. And uh, that was cool, and I was really, like, getting just the creativity flowing again, and it was a great foundation for where I wanted to go. Um, 
And yeah, I was playing the shows and shit. And then my buddy hit me up and was like, dude, like you should come with me to this festival this weekend. And I was like, all right, like, what is it? He's like, I have no fucking idea. Um, my sister just told me about it. Like, you have to come. Tickets are like 80 bucks. And I was like, what the fuck? Whatever. I'm in college out of the house. I do whatever the fuck I want. Like, yeah, let's let's fucking go. And he's like, all right, like, meet me in, in uh, like, Huntington Beach on, like, Friday. And we can all go together. And he, I was like, what do I bring? Like, what? Is it like Coachella, bro? <laughs> but I was like, I was like, all right, like, shit. What kind of music are they playing? Like, the shit I know, right? Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's like house house music and shit. And I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'm, you know, we all had appreciation for dance and house music without really, like, understanding yep. what it was, right? Like, I loved all the, like, up-tempo, jazzy, loungy shit. I loved the recorporation and stuff they were doing and stuff. Like, that's cool. Right, right, right. And I was like, all right, let's go. And he takes me to this festival. And it was the, it was the first Desert Arts. Oh, shit. Yes, though, and dude, dude, it was it was me and probably like 150 people, and I was just like I'd never seen anything fucking like it before. Just that renegade um, yeah. energy. I was like, dude, what the fuck is this? And just hippies everywhere, bro. People right on my vibe. Such good vibes. <laughs> such epic energy. Like stay up all night, disco dance, like house music. Like, and I was on. Uh, I was on. The dance forum was just like, this is so fucking sick. <laughs> when I was at Coachella, I was like seeing all the big room EDM DJ dudes. Like that was my thing. But now I saw this whole new side to the music yep. that I love. So accepting, so chill, such, such good vibes, bro. I saw the fucking wrist flick for the first time. I was like, that's the one, bro. That's it. And I just fell in love with the culture and the community and just the vibe. And I was like, this is so dope. Like everybody on stage dancing and like crowd around the DJ and just smiles and just the sickest tracks and like up all night. And just like the special, there were so many special moments in that that were just like, holy fucking shit. This is exactly what I've been looking for. Dude, I had that experience at CrossFest. Yeah. I'm sure you've been. I had that experience first time I went. I, I loved house music listening to it. I heard a few Chicago festivals. But until I went there and experienced that and the people there of Southern California and the DJs and what they were playing, how they were playing it, and just the experience, I was like, yeah, like, this is it. Dude, it's so sick. That's how it goes. Desert Hearts, though. That's incredible. What a great experience, though. Oh, the perfect first experience, bro. Yeah, it's just I fell in love with the vibe and the community and the atmosphere. I was like, this is everything I stand for. And, like, this is what I love. Like, and the music's – and, dude, I was like, I was like, what the – because they play some trippy shit, you know what I'm saying? Great, but it's awesome, yeah. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck is this, bro? And I remember driving home, and I was like, dude, I was going through every mix. I was going through, like, all of, like, uh, like Mikey and Porky, Marv's, uh, yeah. DJs, all those fools mix. And I was like, oh, my fucking God. This is, like, this is, this is it. I'm so moved by this music and my experience. Like, I gotta, I gotta make house music and start diving into that realm and this is right as kind of like as the hip-hop trap dubstep part of me was like dying because there wasn't right. really a place for it well you can't go that hard for that long you need house Probably, music. Uh, yeah yeah the, the the parties and the environment were so aggressive and i was like dude this is so versatile like you can play this any night day morning whatever like this is yep. so as i just experienced yep. oh and i also did acid for my first time that weekend 
Oh, I assume, yeah. <laughs> I think everybody there is on something. So everything was just like, exploded, bro. Rainbows everywhere. <laughs> but uh, no. And then, yeah, I was like, dude, I need to start making house music. And I was like, all right, sick. And I was like, easy enough, right? Yeah. And I just, I just clicked with the productions, bro. And I was having so much fun. And I felt like it really pushed me to learn a lot more uh, about music and like production and sound design and just music theory than I was learning. Um, I guess I was looking in the wrong places for the right things for that stuff. Yeah. But this really allowed me to just like, like sack up. I was like, all right, I know what needs to go down. And I really started using like reference tracks and stuff. And I was like, this is, this is so fucking sick. Of course it was like complete garbage, but I was fucking loving it, bro. It was so sick. And I started getting really into it. And I was like, dude, coming from this like moniker so surrounded by high energy bangers i have like these crazy mixes out online like i can't i can't merge the two into into one thing that wouldn't make any sense if i just started making like house with yeah. stevie wild like that's that doesn't make any fucking sense bro yeah <laughs> so bro i'm sitting at my desk in long beach and i was like i need to come up with a new uh alias for house music and i was like all right Roll the J, roll the J, roll the J, roll the J. And I was like, I was like, I love the, I love the DJ archetype. DJ what? Yeah. Cause you know, you leave these rent. I think I, I think I left Desert Heart just, and someone was like handing out uh, like flyers and shit for some underground. For the next thing. course. And there were so many DJ, like Ice Butterfly and like DJ, like Tangerine and shit. It's like, <laughs> Random DJ names. I love that shit. I thought it was so funny because that's what captivates me from those lineups. You know what I'm saying? You can be yeah. an absolute, you mean absolute like nobody, and then have a sick name, and you're like, I fuck with that. I'm gonna go see them if I was there. You know? Right. Duck catch DJ fucking mouse on a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, all right, that's the direction I'm going. DJ, and I remember on like the third day, on the third day, he had smoked another joint, and I was like, DJ. DJ Susan. Hey, yo, Nick. Call my roommate over. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, that's like no, total light bulb moment. Yeah. I said, yo, that's the fucking one, bro. DJ Susan. That's the hardest name I've ever heard. Total joke. Just like for fun. I wasn't taking my new house life that seriously. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, my goal was I just want to see this on a lineup one time. I just want to see DJ Susan get booked for a show once, and I just want to see the reaction of the people yeah. who line up. Like, because I know it's gonna be okay. Who the fuck is DJ Susan? It's a woman too. Exactly. Who the fuck is that? That's the dumbest name I've ever fucking heard. But kind of hard at the same time. Kind of hard, yeah, bro. Really is though, yeah. So I was like, all right, sick. And I like, I remember I like teased some shit on my uh, Instagram. I was like, yo, I got a new shit. Check it out. R.I.P. Stevie Wild, it's going down. And I like put out my first song, and it was a, uh, it was actually kind of sick, bro. Yeah. I like sam. I was using my hip hop techniques, like sampling like old records and shit, and like kind of speeding them up and stuff. And I put it out, and I was like, dude, this is it. And so I started doing Susan as Keep It Hood Monday in that type of music. I put a house track, and I was like, go go go. And I was like, fuck yeah, dude. I'm in the community. Like I'm making this shit. Let's go. And I played my first show. As DJ Susan, I think I opened up for Poolside at this local uh, venue in my town called Shelter. Uh-huh. 
and uh, I was just like, I was playing like real mellow, kind of jazzy shit, and uh, dude, dropped my track. That was huge. Yeah. First time I ever dropped like one of my tracks, and uh, people You're like on the CDJ loading up your track for the first time and playing. It. You're like, is this gonna sound good? No, bro, I had my computer, I had my laptop, bro. Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I, love I, was, like, I had my, I think it was laptop. I think I had the, what is it? The Serato box to my fucking laptop. Nice. Oh. nice. Yeah, I remember. I remember I had like a little. I had like a little notepad too, and I like, if uh, when like a transition went well, I would like write it down. <laughs> That's awesome. My little notepad of like tracks that went well together and shit. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Old school, bro. Yeah. But I hit that, and I was like, dude, house is house is my everything. It's I had the biggest connection, dude. It means so much to me. It's such a such a genre and such a vibe and a community that resonates so deep with me and my values and what I love and shit. And I was like, let's fucking go, baby. So after that point, I fucking started grinding super hard. Uh, I graduated college. I was playing house at all the parties. I was getting booked out. Everybody was loving it. I was like that dude again. I graduated college. I came back here and it was kind of like, it was kind of like a fuck. Now what do I do? I'm definitely not trying to get a real job or I'm definitely not trying to like do any of that dumb dumb shit like I'm fucking music let's go yeah and uh dude I, I was like all right time to really grind and so I started really grinding making tracks inspired all this stuff started grinding 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 put out my first track with Spira yeah shout out Rex love you babe and I was like I was like oh my fucking god bro like what the fuck I got a track signed like it's on and that pushes you so hard. It does. That gives you so much confidence that, like, you need, even if it sucks, like, yep. knowing that someone's willing to acknowledge and, like, want to support you, that's huge. Validation. I got you, bro, for sure. Rex, yeah. you changed the game for me, bro, and a lot of people. You're a homie. He's a man, for real. But, yeah, I, I, I had that, and I was like, all right, I got, like, a fucking release under my belt. Like, I'm... I'm starting to become somebody and shit. And then I moved back here and the show started picking up again. And I was doing um, little house parties and this and that and this and that, playing house and stuff. And then I got hit up by an old acquaintance to take over this month, this weekly um, party at the sushi restaurant in my, in my city. Yeah, Wet Wednesdays. It used to be like this popping ass party back in the day yeah. um the place burned down and then they opened up like a year later and then we're like dude dj susan like we got to get him in the mix yeah 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 that's awesome so they put me in charge around this party every single wednesday night at this sushi restaurant bro i bring my pa the decks i was finally finally comfortable on cdjs i bought my own pair yeah. and I, I was on top of the world bro. i used to bring my fucking uh my turntables my fucking big console around me to every show in san diego bro i drive and i have my coffin case and i just be literally that dude walking around downtown with all my gear right jump to the club like i have my i don't know how to use cdjs i just have this <laughs> humble beginnings y'all humble beginnings so fucking but i started doing this wednesday night thing and everybody was fucking loving it and was stoked and uh i was like how do i make this better like how do i whatever and um i forgot how it went down oh yeah through that i started playing at my like dream venue my biggest goal in the game it was this uh where i had my first dj susan set at this place shelter 
Oh yeah, Chris has told me about that place. Yeah, I would all I would do I would beg and pray and just plead every every day of my life to play there. And finally I got my big break and I played and I was like, dude, I'm a fucking superstar. Let's go. And more than friends and nutty would come to those shows. And I had, had I had no idea really who they were. I think I met Joey my, for my first time at like the second Desert Hearts I went to. This is maybe like two or three D hearts like in my book, like I'm fucking seasoned, like let's go. <laughs> and I met them at a show at Shelter and I was like, dude. And I'd kind of seen them like vaguely on Facebook that they produce and DJ. And I was like, dude, you guys should fucking come play with me at uh at the sushi spot. Like you guys come get it in with me. Like I would love to book you guys and shit. Yeah. Let's go. And they were like, Oh my god, yes, don't fucking love you. Let's go. <laughs> and we just clicked off the fucking bat. Those are my boys. I'd always book them and I was super impressed with their style and I was super yeah. impressed with their um their their whole vibe and their uh what they had going on. I loved it. I loved having them out. So I kept booking them. And I was like, oh shit, you guys produce too? Like, wow, wow, okay, okay. And then I was like, hell yeah, dude, I just got this release. Like, check it out. And then we started getting in it. We started to build our own community. Yeah there like i was super impressed and moved by it you know the arts and all these other shows and i still have the hood poly brand on every single flyer i was repping it everywhere it was like a hood politics party but there was really no foundation for it the the, the clothing line was done it was just a, a name and a logo i guess you know yeah so we threw these parties every wednesday i started having more people come in more people come in people i admired would come in and hang out and party and i asked them to play and DJs I admired and shit, like some of the Desert Arts guys and shit would come fucking play and shit. It was so tight. Right. And we kept making music. We kept making music. And I kept through that searching for um, just a new avenue for hood politics. And I said, okay, we're throwing parties. And I remember chatting with the boys one night, again, smoking a J, the magical flower that gives all these ideas. I was like, uh, I was like, dude, we should like, we should like, turn hood politics like into like a collective like a music collective yeah you're producing i'm producing nutty's producing like we should really make this shit a thing like let's go just for fun yeah and they were like fuck yeah let's go and i had i think i think i had i think i had these shirts like a novelty like graphic i think it was one of the last ones that said hood politics records right similar to if i was like hood politics like like garage or something you know right right embodying some personality that didn't really exist just kind of just for fun yeah yeah yeah. and i was like dude we should actually fucking do this thing the politics records yeah we're like i'm down i'm down and i remember hitting up joey and he was like he was like dude yeah i'm down i no no joey i had told joey and he was like yeah i'm starting my own label too with this guy jacob who ran this music collective um thing called prescribed that he also like gave, I think it was like the second song I ever released was with them, and he was Joey was like, dude, I'm like doing A and R for this thing, this like brand, semi tracks. So I was like, all right, and he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm gonna start my own, my own label too, and I was like, oh word, okay, and then I was like, why don't we just fucking come together? Yeah, and he's like, you're right, let's come together. Yeah. So he was like, all right, fuck that idea. And then he, and then it was like, dude, Hood Politics Records is going to be a fucking thing. Yeah. September 20, 
I think it was like mid, like mid end of the month, September. Um, I think we, I think we probably thought about it in the summer, and then in September we had the first release. And me and him, me and Joey came together in the books, and we're like, dude, let's fucking do this shit, bro. Yeah. Put all your acts. Like we have way too much energy to right. stay you know, complacent with what we're doing now. Like, let's expand. Let's go. We're both super passionate about music. It's going to be something that's going to be pushing us to do more, give us our own personality. Because a lot of the tracks we made at that time was, like, making it for other people. Right. I hope they like it. I hope they whatever. And that's really discouraging, honestly. Yeah. Because that's where you lose your individuality, and that's when you start to worry about shit that is completely obsolete to the music-making process. Like, you should just have fun and just enjoy it. You're doing what you do. And so, yeah, we came together and we said, all right, let's go. And we uh, we applied for, I think, Label Works, and they approved us. And we were like, oh, my fucking God, bro. <laughs> like, this shit's about to fucking go down. We had everybody in town wearing the Hood Poly Records tees before. Yeah. We and we put out our first showcase on, I think it was like September 24th, I want to say, or something. Yeah. It was me, Michael, Joey... And then our friend Dylan, who played at the shows with us, he was kind of more like break BD techno. Yeah. Mind you, we had no fucking style. We had no format. We had nothing, bro. We kind of yeah. were just all over the fucking place. And that was great. It was a melting pot. Yeah. Of people. And then it was, yeah, we had the, we had the label release. Uh, we had a label release party. It was so sick. We're like, yo, motherfuckers, we're here. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. It, begins, it begins now. Um, and then, yeah, I think, uh, we had like a, I think like music is for lovers, like a big write up for us and stuff and got our names out there. And it was really cool from then on. It was like, all right, let's go. We started recruiting our friends and people we knew and friends of friends to come join the label and this and this. And we just started fucking building, bro. And we didn't really have much of, I think it was every two weeks or so. But I mean, like, like, like I said before, every, every big journey starts with humble beginnings and we just, uh. We just started making it happen and just having fun and trying to squeeze in label showcases and takeovers at every little local bar around us whenever we could to just try and expand, 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 expand. Um, and it was sick, dude. The first year and a half fucking flew by. Yeah. And then the, after the first year, it was like, okay, sick. Like, we have a label, but it wasn't really like, uh, like, like too much pride. It was like, yeah. Hood Poly, but we had only just begun. Fuck, we had so many, so many other avenues we were looking up to. We were like, fuck, fuck, fuck. I wish, I wish, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. And uh, I was like, all right, fuck, going back to getting like a, a job. Like, this is my shit. Like, I'm doing this, these residencies. Like, it's everything's going great. Yeah. Hustling, bro. Jesus. Hustling, bro. But then, as most things do, you know, I was putting myself in a lot of positions where I was just like, fuck don't want to be here i'm just doing this for money like this isn't where this isn't like what sets my soul on fire this isn't anything i'm passionate about like fuck this and i started going back to like i was playing like open format shows again and shit and kind of was just like am i in this house or not am i in the house in this thing or not like fuck and i remember one day i was like all right fuck all that like i'm 10 toes down to poly like let's go and i remember just like researching 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 digging 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 doing all the shit i can to um get myself out there and of course you know you're only going to sign good tracks and, and like the big dogs and people that you admire when you have a foundation i think we made like about 1500 2000 followers and shit and we started getting like 
the underground homies I was huge fans of. Yeah. I think we signed. I think the first one was when we signed Mistrix to a VA we had a long time ago. Then we got like intrusive on one of our first VAs and shit. And I'm just like connecting with these people who I was like a how Mary, like, please fucking think we're cool. Like, yeah, right. And they were, they were, they were like, they were like, sure. Like, yeah, your shit looks tight. Like, here's a track. And I would be like, oh my fucking God, bro. Like, (laughs) what the fuck? Like we got them on the label. Like, let's go. Yeah. And dude, it pushed me to go so fucking hard. And, We just grinded, 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 done, 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 done. Um, stayed true to what we love, our principles, our values, why, why we started in the first place, and also just trying to remain as completely true to the things in the areas that we like in other labels or that we gain from experiences that we like, because that's what it's all about. You know what I'm saying? Like we take, we took the bad times from the from our label experiences with other labels and said, okay, that's what we don't want to do. Yeah. Let's try and go as hard as we possibly can in that area to compensate for any of that stuff. And then we really started to get our own, uh, our brand identity and we started to get our sound and me, Joey and, uh, Michael started getting some like actual releases and shit. And it was like, dude, we're really fucking doing this shit. Yeah, like oh, this yeah. is wild. And we started playing better shows and, and all that stuff. And through those shows, dude, like me and more than friends, when we go, me and him go so fucking hard in the booth together like ridiculously hard like full on trap dubstep energy dancing so much fun yeah so our brand and the label started to reflect that energy and we started signing some sick ass fucking uh good bot like feel good positive uh upbeat tracks and i was like dude what what we like and our vibe is what needs to the label needs to reflect that right and then we really got our really started getting our stride maybe like shit i want to say like a year and a half ago and then um that's a year and a half in right like or two years in this was like this was like maybe like yeah a year and a half in yeah no 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 no. it was it was about like two years it was about like two years in right no 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 no. a year okay year and a half in we started having people on the label come into town to play shows and we were like, okay, this is it. Like, we're actually becoming something. This is sick. And then we did our two-year anniversary party, and that was like, was it two year or one year? God, where's the time go? I don't know. We did this party that was like, sure. All those moments from when I first knew I wanted to be in music, and I first knew I wanted to perform, and I went to my first Renegade, and I went to my first festival and shit. All those moments, standing in a crowd like this. Dude, I can't. I, I literally can't wait to fucking yeah, and be that and do my own thing. Especially yeah. so after the, you know, desert hard stage it was like people will just do this themselves. I was like, I want to do that. I had that moment with a couple shows and I was like, dude, we're fucking doing this shit. Yeah. And that's when I was like, all right, this is this is the sky's the limit. This is a real thing. Like we got this. Got the team together. Really started scouting people. Um, in scouting artists that we just looked up to and people that we really fucked with their sound and like right. people that the cutting, cutting edge artists that we were like, dude, you're amazing. We want to support you. Let's go. Yeah. And it's so, it's so sick to see the names that we have on hood poly when we first started the first year and a half. Right. I, uh, like for example, I think we were like John summits, like second, second release. Dude, I saw that. He remixed you, right? Yeah, dude. I hit him up. I hit him up 
uh, for a remix, and he was like, let's fucking go. Yes, bro. I was like, you're the man. I know. It's so crazy to see. Like, dude, that's what I'm saying. Cutting edge. I feel like that was... I feel like that's always been our uh, our strong suit. You know what I'm saying? Like, focusing yeah. and, and seeing the trends and the people that are, like, mad talented and they're going to blow the fuck up before it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then I fucking signed that Frankie, that three-track Frankie Wah EP. Yep. Genius. <laughs> Bro, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But through that, in the Hood Poly vibe and our whole demeanor, it was like, we became great friends, and they come down to to hang out with us. I booked Summit for his first San Diego show. We brought Frankie Wada fucking San Diego, and Gre- we brought Greco to San Diego. And it's just cool. It's like, dude, this community and this vibe that I've always strived for is here. It's ours. Right. Have our individuality, and I think once I fully embodied that, I was like, it's fucking on. Let's go. The sky's the limit. I had the philosophy, like the the why philosophy. Why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do this? Why can't we do that? Joey has been an amazing business partner. He keeps me. Su- he was keeping me super accountable. He still does. Yeah. And it's just sick to like have a team to vibe off people, and it's sick to know that we've been supporting these um, cutting edge artists across the globe since yeah. three years ago that have all gone to do amazing fucking things. Right. We signed Ben Reed's first EP. Um, dude, when you have a second, go through the catalog, bro, and see the names in the first year and a half. It's fucking wild, bro. Damn, I was digging today. I didn't go deep enough, though. Go deep, bro. You'll be like, what? It's wild, bro. It's so fucking sick. But yeah. You think you were yourself a platform with the Hood Politics Records? Because you mentioned something earlier that you were making music maybe for other people, right? But there's pretty obvious, like, DJ Susan has a sound. Yeah say i need this label so that i can put out shit without having to think what other think i just need to put this out no doubt yeah i mean it's 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 similar to it it's similar to starting your own business you know it's do you want to work for somebody else under their terms and their rules or do you want to do your own thing have your own individuality right for sure starting the label helped me so much with my production and so much in my career because it allowed me to embrace that individuality unapologetically like i'm making shit for myself and i feel like that's what holds a lot of producers and djs back is i'm not good enough they're not gonna like it they're not gonna like it well shut the fuck up do you like it are you enjoying it doesn't matter and i know that hood poly was never gonna not be an option to release music on it so i started experimenting putting all this stuff on a hood poly and it was cool i was building my catalog i was building my own uh my own brand online had my spotify page at the soundcloud at beatport all that shit brand new um Right. And then it started going from, fuck, I'm a nobody, to, wow, I have this sick, I'm starting to have an online presence. Like, people are listening to my music from across the world. Like, people are hitting me up and, like, playing it and shit. I was like, that's the coolest thing in the world. Dude, I think you got 20,000 monthly listeners on Spotify or something like that. Maybe a little. I just hit 20, 25, bro. Dude, congrats, man. That's like, those are real fans that you've built. It's so sick, man. Thank you so much. You released, you just mentioned some of those edits that you've released, kind of like the Spear, right? Like you did Will Clark, uh, You Take Me Higher, uh, the Heart Track, Get Your Groove On, bro. Like I love, I love that shit so much. Like that, the house I love the most because I love disco and soul. My dad's from Queens, New York, and he raised me on, on sort of like that disco era, you know, late 60s. Yeah. And when I, when I play that music for him these days, like that new age house, like edits, He's dancing. He's like, this is what you listen to? I can't believe it. So fun. Yeah, we love the edits. Yeah, one of the things I admire the most about 
uh, spirit was it always about these really cool edits and shit. And it's just another testament to like, dude, music's music's fun. Get creative. Take songs yeah. that you love and make them better or make them your own and, and, and experiment with that. And two, it's so much easier to start cracking on an edit than it is an original track or something, you know, because you already have half the components there. Right. Yeah, dude, we started the edit series maybe like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. I think somebody, I think the first edit was hold up i'm gonna do a quick quick search do it we're going to we're going down memory lane here do it (laughs) um yeah dude the edits have fucking popped off man i know joey approached me with the idea um about doing the edits and i was like i was like godspeed bro yeah because hood politics used to be a um for the first year and a half it used to be or no sorry up until last May, it was a free download label. Every track was free download. Mm-hmm. Um, and because we were using the gates and we... Um, oh, genius though, right? It was, super, it was super constructive in building our audience organically and uh, just cool to kind of just see your tracks getting reposted. Like, it's good to see the activity on there. Yeah. And notification obsessed culture. You know, it's great to see people acknowledging your music one way or another. So yeah. right when we, I guess, kind of stopped... Um, putting out our releases as free download, when is it, one year ago. Um, yeah, we said, okay, how do we piggyback off this aspect, still build our audience, and still get our shit circulating without having to compromise our cat- the direction we want to go, the catalog. Right. And we put out the, yeah, we put out the Clash, Rock the Casbah, Arnold and Lane edit, probably a year and a half ago. Awesome. Then from there, dude, we got, yeah, dude. So many fucking game changers, bro. And the numbers are insane, bro. Yeah, dude, because that's such playable DJ music. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes, like, obviously, like, if for a DJ Susan track, like, just like the Ross EP, right? Like, mm-hmm. like that's peak hour banger. But those sort of edits that you're releasing, like, I could play that, you know, at a bar that's a little more casual, right? If I'm just, like, right. your average DJ that likes house music and it kind of splits the vibe. And I just love that shit for producing, for DJing, and you've just done an awesome job with building that real fan base of DJs, of producers, yeah. of fans of the music, right? Definitely, yeah. We, we put out a lot of eclectic shit in that regard, um, while as of the last year, really fucking like tailoring our hood poly sound into what many people would consider our own fucking genre, bro. It's so tight. Yeah. So, I don't know, it was a really smart business move for us, because I mean, one, you're gonna look like a fucking idiot buying followers. There's nothing organic about that. Yep. It doesn't give you any incentive to go hard, try hard, try new things. Yep. That's why all that shit's obsolete. It doesn't do anything for you. You're you're doing that. You're playing yourself. If you're buying followers. You're playing yourself. Work hard and make it happen because you're gonna be amazed. Trying new things gonna work out so great yep. for you. And it's also cool because it's allowed us to branch off and communicate and connect with more artists than we would if it was strictly EP, single, blah, 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 all that stuff. But our vibe has never been about getting the big dogs and, and tailoring to what's hot and the cool guys and shit. It's always been and always will be raw, underground, cutting-edge talent. Because when we fucking started with Polly with my friends in the backyard, it was all about love, supporting yep. each other, and it will always fucking be that way till the fucking day we motherfucking die, and it will always continue. And it's been such a blessing to see these artists we do have on the label um, – edit ep single or not just fucking thrive and get all these followers and get all this 
uh, newfound confidence that excels them into the next chapter of their career and the next chapter of their life. It's so sick. That's the that's literally the best part of the label. It's why we started the label. It's not to look cool. It's not for us to have any gain. It's literally for us to show love to artists, fans, everybody in between and say, yo, we fucking love you. We support you. We're always going to support you. Like, we're not going to give you any, like, negative feedback or criticism or put you down and shit. Because that ruined that ruined producing a lot for me, bro. Get, hearing people, like, yeah, hate and talk shit and, like, roast your tracks and shit. And I, it's cool. I get it. Feedback. But, like, dude, <laughs> motherfuckers are sensitive. Me included. I was like, dude, <laughs> for six weeks on this track, you think it's trash? What the fuck? Yeah, dude. I feel you, man. I feel you. Fuck that. Fuck that. That's whack. I know. And and now that you've like kind of gone through the gauntlet, right? Like I would say you've gotten over the hill in terms of like your own brand, hood politics, right? Like there are a lot of DJs and producers that were you. I mean, you've already mentioned Nutty, LA Riots, Freak On, Tombs, of course, and the Chicago guy. Uh, Shout out to you. Love you. Of course, man. And, and you all put, put on guys like Chris Diaz and Broken Future, right? My question to you is, how do you vet potential releases and how do you keep this like linear approach you know, to actually keeping that sound that you've developed now for a guy like maybe who is younger that wants to get a release on her politics. What are you looking for? Oh, man. So our demo process is we get a lot. We get demo. Demo emails are funny. It's usually filled with a lot of fresh producers that have just started. Yeah. Who are like, OK, like, here's a here's an email, blah, blah. And a lot of emails we get are just so all over the place and shit. <laughs> but it's never like, what the fuck is this? It's hey, bro, this is awesome. Like, you're. I'm so stoked to see you making this. Like, not the best fit for us, but like, please keep grinding. Best luck with it. Always trying to be super encouraging for right. everybody, even the homies too. And just because you know I might not vibe with something doesn't mean it's not good. Right. It's great. I'm just trying to keep kind of, I guess, something on brand. Yeah. But I guess a more constructive way that I've kind of been around that in the linear approach I've taken is you know artists that I that I respect. Diaz, for example. He he. Uh, he was showing me his music. I was like, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. And he's like, let's get it on Hood Poly. And I'm like, I'm like, bro, this is the Hood Poly standard. I go, yo, if you want to get on Hood Poly, make something for Hood Poly. Sit yeah. down and say, this is for Hood Poly. I'm right. making this for Hood Poly. And I told and I've told that to so many fucking people. Yep. Like, you are amazing. Your music's great. The song's great. But like this, I guess what's made the label so special yep. is we've inspired all these artists to give us the best their best fucking work yeah you're challenging them i love that no and it's pot it's so positive and it's constructive and it's like yo sit down keep me in mind keep the brand in mind and make something for poly and i guess uh a total staple um i like uh that's what i'm looking for appreciate example of this is when i signed freak on's uh debut ep his nitrous ep he shout out Vinny, love you baby he and his manager were like because i met him at coachella and i was like dude i gotta get you on hood poly and kind of just like okay this is right we really started like kind of come up and it was like okay who's and this has happened so many times it's like okay like what's good with hood poly like what do you think snap and i was like dude this is gonna be a fucking banger trust 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. you gotta trust and, it, and his manager were like okay like you want two of these tracks? These are two A-sides. We want both of them to do good. I was like, bro, we only sign A-sides, bro. We want your – give us your absolute best fucking track, and I promise you we'll, we'll do great. And they're a little reluctant because they're like, okay, we want to get this to the big boys, big boys, the big right. label and shit. 
motherfuckers EP goes number two. Shit, I didn't know that. Yep, and I think it's A-side cracked into the top ten. Beatport top ten singles. Let's go. I know. And then it's like they come back and it's like, I try to tell you I told you so, bro. Like, we're not just a label trying to get your tracks and be like, thank you. These are ours now. Fuck you. It's like, no, we're ten toes down behind everything. We, your success is our priority. We want to see you guys go hard. Push yourself to put out that great record that we can really support and all come up together and celebrate together. Yeah, dude. I know. And, and Tom's done a good job of that, too, with his label, right? It's You don't have to be defected to get mm -hmm. a report charting track. Nope, nope, and it's been such a blessing watching our uh, our rise, like in that regard, because we passed up. There's all these labels that we're like, dude, shit, I used to idolize. I'm like, dude, yep, let's fucking go, baby, like let's fucking yeah, go. Yeah. Up. But his with with that release, where I was going to piggyback off of that release, his Nitrous EP. Uh, we had just started the edits, and we kind of had this theme that started um, with the Venucci edit, that track I Know You, such a heater. We were like, how about we get an edit from the artist before the release, get that out, get a gate on it, get them a shit ton of new followers and some exposure before their uh, single or release comes out, kind of generate some momentum behind that. And it worked out fucking great for Venucci and I recommended it to Freak. And um, I, I was hanging out with them in LA and he was showing me all these unreleased tracks he was sitting on and I asked for one of them. And he was like, no, like I'm gonna do like a like an edit. And they're like, why don't we why don't we pull something from the Hood Poly vault? Yeah. And edit. And I was like, all right, I got just the fucking track. My track Freak that I put out last year, my No Gimmicks EP, that track Freak with that Magic Stick sample. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gustavo Reinhardt, he remixed it, but he left out the Magic Stick sample. And I was like, dude, I. That's like the sickest part of the track. That's like the, the hook, you know? Yeah. And so I was like, dude, you should remix this track. And he was like, all right. And dude, I kept checking in with him and he he put, yeah, I, I gave him the Hood's Poly spiel. I said, make this for fucking us, bro. Like, right. let's go. And after the fact, he was like, yeah, he, he sent us the track. He worked on it for like three weeks, sent us the track, kept going back and forth, back and forth with it had a lot of pressure on him which is like super humbling to know yeah and he sent it to me and it's like one of the biggest tracks on the soundcloud one of the biggest tracks i think it was almost like 30k listens like over a thousand something likes and shit and he was like he was like dude i put so much fucking pressure on myself for that remix like that's like my best work <laughs> and i was like that's what i'm fucking talking about let's yes. go yes and it's like this is he's like this is one of my favorite tracks and I think it's one thing to be somebody who's supporting somebody by putting out their their records on our, our label and, and being like that force to fuck with. But I really feel like it's the most important thing is to be um, a person of encouragement and a person to motivate your friends and fellow artists. Like, dude, fucking go as hard as you can. Have a semi, like, put pressure on yourself. Like, let's fucking go. Same with the Broken Future Boys, Diaz, everybody else. Has Everybody all has to say it, didn't say it. It's like, thank you for pushing me to go hard like i don't know it's so humbling it's so sick and it's like dude we all win that way together yes you're stoked we're stoked it's gonna go off to do great fucking things and you're when you're confident about a track and just the whole experience is so much better dude you got a michael jordan effect to you that's what it is you got this michael jordan effect to you where you want everyone around you to be better but you yeah. know you have to push yourself too you gotta yeah. push them and you gotta push yourself yeah. you got 
by example. I'm a fan before anything, bro. Huge Love fan. It. Love that. You got it that way. Hell yeah, dude. Now, I want to ask you something because um, obviously you've, you've said a few different things that you've done party-wise. Party you've had a lot of success as a DJ, bro, and I want to credit you for that. You played some incredible shows. Um, Thank you. Way, uh, what's it called? Uh, Splash House. Yeah. Dude, I was going to go to that this year because I think that's the fucking coolest thing ever. I want to hear about that. Man. But I do want to acknowledge you. I mean, you open for Cassie and A-Track, Reef Star, more. You've thrown your own parties on boats. Like, in my opinion, dude, you're a huge integral part of the local Southern California scene, right? Like, you're not like Diplo hanging out in the Hollywood Hills. Like, you're the homie down in the streets, like, bringing people into the party. And I yeah. fucking love that because I yeah. get Chicago. <laughs> and it's, it's oh, appreciate it, bro. Yeah, but it's fun. And these people come back to your parties. What have been some of your favorite experiences as a DJ when you've actually been playing? Oh, man, where do I even fucking begin, bro? No, I not. mean, for starters, our party, our boat party that we threw in March. Yeah. That was absolutely such a milestone. Yeah. Such a milestone, bro. The first party that was really like a leap of faith. Financially, <laughs> uh, definitely financially, and just a first for the whole team, you know? We, we had plans to to sell out the 600-person boat night before. We were, like, I think at, like, 500 tickets. We were going to hit it. Everything was great. Yep. We threw a bunch of money down. We got the functions. We got the whole lineup together and shit. Yep. I booked freaking binge to headline because I love them. And, again, it's not about us. Even in these moments, it's about yep. you guys. Yep. That's something we stay, keep very near and dear to our hearts. Yep. Um. And I get a I get a call from one of my business partners in the party, and he was like, "Dude, the the boat broke down that we had." And they said, the "Good news and bad news. The boat broke down. Good news is they upgraded us to the fucking twelve hundred person biggest boat in San Diego the day before." And I'm like, "This one, how are we even gonna fill that boat? Yeah. Two, are we gonna like fill with decorations and lights and sounds and shit?" Dude, we pulled it off. I think we sold 950 tickets, and it was the sickest part. It was the sickest part I've ever been to in San Diego. Fuck yes, that's awesome. And I remember we we had plugged in the last like uh, XLR to the function right as people were walking on the on the top deck. Yeah. And I just I just I was just like, <sighs> everybody crushed, best vibes. Everybody was there, and then it ended, and I just collapsed on the ground. And we do we yeah we yeah we had the after party at the street everybody went to they did like like record breaking numbers up there and shit but dude like I said there's there's those moments that those defying moments in everyone's career and especially in your line of business and shit you know with the label and whatever you do it's like that was that was that was one of them for sure shit because I was just like dude I know what we can do now like this is fucking awesome yeah that's amazing we were, we were once scared by like oh shit six hundred heads now it's like dude. We breezed nearly a thousand heads, bro. Yep. yep. It's so sick. And, and once they come to that party, it's like they're gonna come fucking come back to the next one for sure. Yeah. That experience and that energy is like it lasts forever. They're gonna spread the word, and that's how you build. Dude, it was so sick. And just seeing Binge and Freak like crying, like I love you. I was like, <laughs> oh, it's so sick, bro. That was nuts. Uh, Splash House is always a fucking blast. Um, the Splash House that I played last year, I had a solo set at the Renaissance, 
Um, and we did like record breaking numbers for like an opening set at like one o'clock. It was insane, bro. Again, primarily, primarily dominated by people who are just like, yo, respect. Like I fuck with the hustle. Like you're out here. Yeah. I had Joey come and hop on with me. And then I was like, dude, you're playing with here with me next time. And I got him and more than friends booked for the next splash house. And, uh, more than friends played his own solo set one day. And then me and Joey played, uh, three-hour set before Proc and Fitch at the Saguaro on Sunday. And, dude, just having me and him up there and just, like, being with him and, like, dude, we fucking got this, bro. Playing all the music from the label. That was really, really, really special. Yeah. And we had, like, 30 heads on stage with us. It was, like, way more than they were allowed to ever have up there. And the best part is Sam, one of the founders, walks up with his phone out like this. There's... (laughs) 50 heads on stage is jumping. It was so sick. That's awesome. But yeah, the boat party this year, that was insane. Um, I don't know. The be- One of the biggest moments of my career was when I played at Coachella last year. That was insane, bro. Yeah, I played. Coachella. I, dude, I played at the, ca- the, the dome at the campground, bro. Holy fuck, bro. I didn't know that. Bro. Wow. In- Full circle. Full it- circle. What is that? Number f- fucking eight? <laughs> No, Sam, the homie from Splash House, he uh, he loved the energy, he loved the vibes. He he saw what I was, my passion, and I was really about it yeah. at Splash. It was like, dude, I want to plug you in at Coachella. And I was like, no fucking way, let's go. Yeah. So they booked me at the Dome, and they gave me Friday and Saturday night, like, headline fucking slots. And again, full circle moment, I, used, I was always regretful back in the day when I'd reach out to potential clients to book me to DJ. There's like, where's your mixes? even mix and i was like no i'm too scared because i was too scared to like put a mix out yeah and now getting put the coach i was like yeah bro i got the fucking label i got all these releases and shit like as were a lot of people i i guess in the industry they they try to cut it with i guess not doing the most right like oh i got a mix and shit so it it allowed me to really go and dude resume complete exactly bro it's just it's just cool to know that people recognize the vibe and they see they see the catalog and shit. It's cool. I guess it goes, yeah, the resume it goes like a long way. It's really tight. But, uh, um, dude, Coachella was in fucking sand. It's probably like 2,000 heads every night. And after the first night, I had a reputation. Um, not gonna lie, the DJs that played that dome were pretty random. Really? So, yeah, <laughs> pretty random. I remember the first night I played, I played after this guy. Energy was dead as shit. He was playing some random shit. And I rolled up just like, it was like I think it was like two in the morning, and I was like, "Let's fucking go!" Yeah. And I saw the sea of people, and I was like, "Nah, crowd control is about to fucking go down, bro." Go. And I got on the mic. At first, time, everyone's too scared to get on the mic these days. Yeah. That's totally cool. I love that shit. Let's go. I got on the mic, and I was like, "Get on the fucking, Let's fucking go!" And I was so hyped, and dude, everyone just started pouring in, and it's like, dude. You only get one shot at these sets. You can't allow any lackluster energy in. Like you gotta go fucking hard. Yeah. You gotta re- you gotta get something to remember. So I did that and it was I remember I was completely fucking shaking afterwards. Like this is insane. Damn. I had people uh, running out to me, fucking hugs, uh, like literally a line of heads. Hugs, high fives, let's go. And we were all just fucking hyped on the energy. After party at my campsite, let's go. And the sound tech and the stage managers were just like this. 
who the fuck are you, bro? And I was like, whoa, that was wild. And I played the next night, and I had a reputation from the first night. Dude, it was like twice as fucking packed, bro. Dude, what a moment. It was such a moment, and it was just so cool to just see everybody uh, – get so involved and so into it and i would get i would get stopped for like i was getting stopped for like photos inside the, the festival like the whole weekend and shit and just connecting with people and just about the love of the performance and the music and shit it was so cool if your audience isn't into it like it's it sucks it's not fun so you gotta be having the most fun you gotta lead by example and go hard and that was a huge uh i'd always kind of had that value but that was like holy shit i've literally controlled this um this party with my energy wow and then dude honestly after that i was like all right i've always been a high energy freak but like just realizing its power and its potential it has an audience and a crowd even if no one's there if there's five people there if there's 10 people there hundred thousand people there yeah. like you got to be going as hard as you fucking can and having the most fun because music is fun performing is fun that's why we go to the show that's why we face the dj yeah why I got into music because I was like, dude, nobody's fucking bringing the energy. Like, you got to go fucking hard. Yeah. But that was like a game changing moment. Also, probably one of the one of the biggest shows I've played. I played a couple other heaters, but that was like a very special sure, uh, show sure. to me because I did start my, I guess, festival career there. And just like, I want to fucking play this shit. Steven, do you ever just like take it back and think back? I mean, you just told me the story about your first gig, bro, and you were bringing around your Serato box everywhere you went, and now you're playing at the Coachella grounds, and you got a reputation, people are taking pictures, like, you obviously have a bright future ahead. How do you feel right now in this moment, like, with where you're at? Really fucking good, bro. Good. Better than I've ever felt in my life. That's amazing, dude, because there are so many artists right now who are not feeling like that. How do you maintain that energy? Like, what goes through your head? Is it just positive reinforcement time after time, day after day? I've gone too far, bro. I'm not turning back now. It's only getting better, bro. Yeah. I have this standard for myself as well as the label that, like, I guess piggybacking off what we were saying, that linear approach, like, dude, this, the bar's been fucking raised, bro. Yeah. You either sink or swim, and I'm going to encourage you to meet that, and I'm as well as, as me. Like, it's hard for me to even meet that sometimes, too. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's the, it's the beauty of the whole experience, man. It's yeah. not about the destination. It's a journey. It's feeling yourself get better, feeling yourself get more consistent, feeling yourself be inspired by your friend's success rather than envious, seeing yourself wanting to grind harder from that too. It's fucking awesome, bro. I don't know where I would be without the label, and it's allowed me to, to persevere and push and have this standard for myself that I don't think I would have without it, bro, because the shit is getting so fucking good, yeah. and it's all love, and it's so cool to see them, the artists be stoked and see everybody who comes and gets involved be stoked and it's like dude i see all my friends um taking off blowing up and shit and they're just they're no different than us they're just consistent yeah. when i was out when i was visiting frankie wall in the uk i went to stay with him for two weeks uh last last december mm -hmm. bro we we were hanging out but he was still grinding he was showing me all these tracks this is before anything bro this was tech this was tech house frankie wall oh, and he took us we got box seats to go see pete tong orchestra this one I was like, all right, this was a huge moment in my life. We saw Pete Tong Orchestra in London at the some C2 Center or whatever. Brixton, right? Yeah, yeah. So and he was like, he looked at me and we were, dude, we were both sober. We felt like we were rolling. The energy was so sick. And he's like, he's like, bro, my my goal in life is to hear Pete Tong 
say my fucking name. And I was like, you got this, bro. I think I, I think we got back for like a month. He drops Get Me High all over BBC Radio 1. Oh, shit. Tong, Mr. Jam, Annie Mack, everyone's, Danny Howard, praising him. His his Get Me High goes number one on the break chart. Steve, Steve Lawler purchased that track from Ministry of Sound to put on um, Viva. And it just took off, bro. And I was just with my mans, consistently grinding. Had that had that attitude, like, I got this, and persevered, and kept the faith, and is now one of the... Probably one of the biggest artists in the UK. Without a doubt. That shit's mad inspiring, bro. And it's just like, it's it's not impossible. Right? You always got to ask yourself that question, why? And you always got to be doing whatever you can, even if it's five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, an hour, whatever. Yeah. Just to be working and staying on track with your craft, man. And like, I don't know, like I said about the, the quarantine, it's like, this is either a moment to complain about life circumstances or say, okay, they're not bad, they're new, and buckle down and fucking 10 toes down on what needs to go down. So this started, and I said, fuck, you know, Splash is canceled, Coachella's canceled, all those other festivals I was going to play canceled, but what does that even mean in the long run? I would just be out performing. It's cool, but what really matters is making music and stacking my catalog. Bro, I've made probably 25 tracks, the best shit I've ever fucking made that I'm so fucking proud of. Um, In this quarantine, every track's been signed to my dream labels that I had set out for like the next two years, like I in those inevitably time, and I just fucking get word that Lee Foss dropped two of my tracks and is saw that congratulating Insomniac live stream. Yeah, it's, uh, Kazen texts me, uh, John Summit texts me. He's like, dude, you're fucking hyped. Kazen has A and R for Repopulate, and he didn't even send Lee the tracks to like like check these out playlists. He just on his own was like, I don't know. That was. <laughs> He saw your name, bro, and he was like, I'm going to check this guy. I mean, dude, that's awesome. Yeah, bro. So I, uh, yeah, everything's really fucking good, bro. I've I've been 10 toes down behind every release on Hood Poly for the last year and a half. I've only been releasing on Hood Politics um, just to keep building the brand. That's my baby, you know? Like, that. all the other stuff will come. I'd rather have my foundation be solid before it started to take off. Yeah. Uh, we just had 10,000. We had, I think we're at almost 12,000 followers on SoundCloud. Our Spotify playlist is growing. Everyone's fucking with the support. The socials are popping off. People are stoked. Yep. Uh, and then from there, I kind of had that moment of contentness where I was like, all right, now it's now it's fucking time to uh, to branch out and see what's good. And dude, like- It's Susan time, baby. Fuck yes. It's fucking Susie season, bro. And a lot <laughs> of people I talk to in the industry um, who are kind of just misinformed and jaded are like, dude- you're never gonna fucking get anywhere just releasing on a poly like you just whatever whatever. I'm like I'm like no, nah, you got that all wrong, bro. Yeah. But like yeah, I'll show you what's good. And bro, like I said, I had five, six dream labels in the next two years. Every one of them signed singles, EPs for me that are all coming out in the next like eight months, bro. Dude, let's go. And oh, yeah. Having that EP come out on Rossum, I was like, this is so weird, bro, releasing on another label. I can tell, like, the way the way that you talk is the way you write. And when I was reading reading your caption, I was like, I was like, he's talking to me right now. Always. <laughs> yeah, hey, I'm a journalism major, bro. But like I said, you know, I'm, uh, I'm all about getting music out there, and I believe that every release is going to benefit uh, me and a label, you know, bringing people into my world and, and, and gain new fans, and, and hopefully they – 
love the love the, the good vibes and the love and i can help make an impact with them and stuff but yeah yeah man Susie's season is about to fucking go down bro uh i put out my hood poly single before any of it just to kind of be like all right let's fucking go it's been doing amazing it's like top 20 hype hype chart hype singles chart right now la bomba yeah bomba dude love that thank you bro okay quick story about that i made the original track in mexico it was all polished up. It was ready to go. I was going to send it in to get mastered um, on the timeline that I had. And I'm sitting where I'm at right now. And I played it back. And I was literally, a, it was perfect. The mix down was perfect. Everything was fucking perfect. I lit up a J. God, these fucking J's I'm smoking. I don't know what. What are you smoking? things, bro. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but I hit it and I was like this. Nah, this fucking sucks. This isn't hood poly. And I fucking deleted the whole thing. Wow. Yeah, bro. I had to remind myself. I said, okay, we just dropped Mezcal Kids single. Good fucking God, that track's a fucking heater, bro. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. We dropped Mezcal. We dropped LA. We dropped Chapter and Verse. And I'm just like this. Dude, this shit is so fucking good. Like, I need to check myself. Yeah. Like, this is my fucking label. I need to come correct, bro. I need to go as hard as I can. Yeah. Try as hard as I can to put out the best of the best. Really push myself. Yeah. Like, did I half-ass what I did? No. But was it not up to the standard? Yeah. Oh. I checked myself, bro. And I was about to take off on a road trip for my girl's birthday. And I was like this. How the fuck am I going to make this work, bro? And I started and I, got a, and I got a good foundation that night. I said to like 6 a.m. Took off camping the next day. And for the next week, every day, I put like four hours in at a two or three, two or three, four hours in at a coffee shop working on that track and I fucking did my own self master on it. The first time I've ever put anything out of the poly is my own self master on it, which wow. I think sounds really fucking good. It does, yeah. Um, and I fucking submitted it to distro like I think like like right before it was about to come out and it fucking came out. I was like, this is it. There's no turning back. This is what I got. Dude. And I was proud of it, bro. And I was just like, man, I don't know, that 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 standard is always instilled in me constantly, bro. And that's something I try to always uh, advance with in Hupali. I want every track to get better and better, every release to get better. I never want to go back. I only want to be going forward. A-sides only. Like, I, because I want, I want to be putting out dope shit. And I want artists to be fucking hyped. I want it to mean something to them. I want it to be a special release every time. So, yeah, the Bomba happened, and then it didn't, and then it did, bro. Dude, what a story. Great track. So sick, bro. But I can't wait for you to hear what else I got cooking this year, bro. I'm very fucking stoked. Yeah, I saw that Foss played those two tracks. I threw up that post. He slid in the DMs like 15 minutes later. Dude, Lee is like such a fucking G, bro. Like, he's so cool. He's a G. He slid the DMs. He said, let's fucking get it on, bro. These are hot. Dude, let's go repopulate Mars, baby. Let's fucking go, Steven. Yes. Coming to Mars, baby. Let's go. Let's fucking go, dude. Yeah, I got, I got, I had my single release with a poly, which I was like so proud of. That was that fresh shit. Yeah. I had my roster release, which I'm super fucking proud of. I listened back to it yesterday in the car and I was like, this shit's fucking heat, bro. I'm, I'm proud of myself. Yeah, dude. Good job. I, like, uh, thank you, bro. I got. A single with Revlo coming out on Brash Beats with a fat Broken Future remix. Yeah. This this month, 
I have my Get Twisted EP that comes out next month. I have my Delicious EP that comes out that same month. I have my Happy Techno EP that comes out. A pop, uh, Glasgow Underground single. And then I just got hit up. Dude, yeah, that Ross EP came out. I got hit up by a couple labels. Sony's checking out some shit right now. It's on, bro. Dude, I fucking A, man. Going into that with Hood Polly being where it's at right now, I'm sh- I I would I I couldn't be any happier, bro. It, dude, you you gave it some fucking. I'm on one to one to one, like it's 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 levels, and I and I've been trying to exercise patience so much this year, and I know it's I know everybody feels all the producers and shit feel the same way. It's like you make a bang, and you're like, let's get it out now, 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 and that can lead you to some loose ends. You gotta have faith and have patience, like especially right now. Yeah, arts can't play. Um, tracks and shit like it's hard yeah it's hard to feel out the heaters and shit but yeah i i'm like i couldn't be more stoked on what's to come i feel like everything that i manifested in the beginning of this quarantine is is coming true and my main goal was you know i had this realization i was like susan you fucking got what inevitably six months a break from everything. This will never fucking happen again, bro. Yeah, dude. Do you wanna? Do you want to go back to the party as many startup in the same place you are now, or ten steps ahead? Ten fucking steps ahead. Ten fucking steps ahead, bro. And I've spent every day, every night, late nights, fucking trying to get creative, work on shit, study, do this, 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 run the label and shit. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm fucking ready, bro. It's Susie season and it's about to go down. Cheers, dude. babe. This has been such a pleasure talking to you, man. I want to hang out with you right now. I wish we could go smoke a joint on the fucking beach or something and keep talking. But Bro, you come visit me any fucking time, doggy. I'm not joking. For real, major props to you, and it's so awesome to hear your story. Keep doing your thing, especially with Polly. I'll keep supporting in any way I can, and uh, it's fucking Susie season, bitch. It's Susie season, bro. I've been, I've been, uh, they, think, they think I've been quiet, but I've been working, bro. You've been working, man. Yeah, Chris will be some unreleased shit actually too. So I, I know Dude, what I'll you. Got. Send you all, I'll send you a link to all the unreleased shit after this call. Please, please, I need that, bro. I need that. Uh, yeah, I got. I guess my biggest goal and my biggest reward from all this isn't isn't like oh you know, I have this release. I have this release. I'm building my own career. It's I built this community of incredible artists and friends, um, in that time that now all come together and support each other and me. And it's just cool to know that I have like all these people all rooting for each other. It's fucking awesome, man. That's, I kind of was like, let me, let me dive into the, the web and like make sure everything's going to be fucking awesome and the vibe set. And then we can get it popping. Dude, I love that, man. Keep spreading that love. Keep spreading that positive energy, man. I'll do the same over here in Chicago. And if you come to the city, you let me know too. Okay. Dude, absolutely, bro. Without a doubt. Come, gotta come see the boys. Steven, it's been a pleasure, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you again for the time. Bro, thank you so much. Your ledge. I'll hit you with that link ASAP, bro. Susie right. Seaton, check it out. Hood Polly. Let's go. Cross up EP out now. La Bomba out now. Let's go, baby. Dude, you're really good at this, man. Maybe you need to start a podcast. <laughs> Dude, let's go. I'll, be, I'll fucking come. I'll do a couple rounds. All right, brother. Sounds good, Steven. I'll talk to you soon, man. Cheers, bro. Thank you so much. Absolutely.